Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Teutonic Takes. My name is Fabian Renkel. I'm here with my co-host, Ivan. And we're back for another edition of basically the San Jose Earthquake Dark Days. Um, <laughs> we have a little bit going on this podcast. We're going to go ahead and go over the two games that we saw a couple of losses and ties that we didn't expect. And then we're also going over a couple of Quakes news. We're going to go over some fan questions. And we're also going to go over a little bit of Jesse Fiorinelli's transfer windows. And we're just going to talk about the future of this club. Yep. And before we get into all that, there is one other important topic beyond soccer that we want to cover. So we understand at this time that the West Coast, particularly California, has been hit very hard with uh, West Coast with the fires that have been going on. The air quality has been bad, particularly in Northern California. Air quality indexes of high hundreds to even low 200s, which is very unhealthy air, not just for sensitive groups, for all groups. So if you're living around the Bay Area or Northern California or Oregon, be sure to limit how often you go indoors. Be particularly cognizant if you or someone you know has asthma or any other conditions, help each other out and stay safe. Like this, these last six months now have been difficult for a lot of reasons. And this is just another one in the list, but it's one that we can't undermine, uh, especially as a lot of firefighters have been risking their lives to try to contain these fires as best as they can. Yeah, we got to make sure that we always wear a mask when we go outside. Please uh, give thanks to all the firefighters that are out here in the West Coast trying to take care of these fires for us. We are very thankful for you guys, and thank you for risking your life every day. Yeah, thank you to you all. And also, if you do go out, if you have access to them, believe the N95 masks are the best for this condition of air quality, not just any mask that you would use perhaps in a COVID situation. Try again N95 if possible. But if you don't, any sort of covering is better than nothing. Yeah, Ivan, how are you getting N95 masks? I haven't got one in like six months. <laughs> yeah, it is a tricky situation. Thankfully, my family has a couple of friends who are in the medical field. So oh, that's awesome. That's how we've been getting some of those. Although before this air situation, granted in San Diego, it hasn't been affected as much as in Northern California, although there were some fires down here too that have since been contained as far as I know. But yeah, thankfully we do have that connection and we understand not everyone does. So everyone just needs to do the best they can yeah definitely guys remember to stay safe out there don't forget to wear a mask for covid and for the fire so let's go on a little bit of quakes news so the earthquakes announced today their new schedule um so right after the portland game at home three days later i mean we're gonna play portland at home so definitely an odd an oddball there i've never seen that go back to back especially home and home um, and then right after that, 9.23, four days later, we're going to play at Colorado. And just like the last time, four days later, we're going to play at LAFC. Ivan, how do you think we're going to do in this? 
How do you think we're going to fare against these teams? Do you think we're going to get some W's out of these? Yes. So the first thing that came to mind is now that we've had, including these three games, we're going to have nine games since the MLS's back tournament. And we've had the same five opponents. We're going to have played Portland, Colorado, and LAFC a second time. We already will have played LA Galaxy twice within this first six games. So if this pattern does continue, logically speaking, the 10th game that would come up would be Seattle. But what surprised me was that, once again, the Quakes would host uh, Portland. Maybe it's to minimize travel. So you have the two games in Avaya Stadium against Portland Timbers there. Earthquake Stadium, right? Earthquake Stadium, right. And then... You do mix it up a bit. You're going to Commerce City, Colorado for that game. And then you go back to L.A. to the Bank of California Stadium for LAFC. So I'm not quite sure. There's less reasoning for why the LAFC game is another away game with the same opponent. But in terms of the quality of opposition and where San Jose Quakes are right now, it's looking pretty daunting. And I think three points might be generous. I do think that Quakes were the better team against the Colorado Rapids, so maybe that they can find a way to grind a win in the altitude there, but I just don't see how this team that's slumping so badly can turn it around to beat a team that they've kept losing to in LAFC and another team in Portland Timbers who just outmatched them. Yeah, you know, this is truly San Jose Earthquakes, the dark days. Um, It's hard to predict these upcoming games because I just don't see any difference from the last three games that we saw. Remember, Ivan, when we were doing the previews for these last three games and we were like, oh, you know, we're going to get six or seven points out of them. We're going to be at the top of the at the top of the table or at least in a playoff position. Well, we actually sit last in the Western Conference, but we do have a game in hand so if there's any silver lining out of that we at least have one less game than most of the teams out there really quick let me throw a stat out there for you the quakes have had 30 371 days since our last win at earthquake stadium that is insane 371 days um and that was actually right after the colorado game so we might have a couple more days but august 31st Versus Orlando, a 3-0 win was the last time we won at our Earthquake Stadium. Let's talk about how much free sponsor or free advertising Avaya gets every time we say it wrong, right? <laughs> yeah, it's going to take some more getting used to, and I'm sure the people in the Facebook group in particular will – be a little bit annoyed with us, but we're trying. Yeah, yeah it's going to be funny when they eventually do get a new sponsor for it. It's still going to be called Avaya. Um, it's hard to kind of take that away. Avaya, uh, unfortunately, it's kind of a, a nice name. It, it has a ring to it. You know, there's nothing else that's really Avaya Stadium. It sounds I think, uh, different from like, you know, your T-Mobiles, your Verizon, yeah. your, you know, whatever else – sponsors that you see in a supermarket every day <laughs> right no definitely and whenever you say avaya oh you mean the earthquakes like it came straight to mind but now we have a bland old earthquake stadium <laughs> uh, right. i asked what alexi lalas on his live stream if he thought the earthquakes would make the playoffs this year 
And that was actually before the, the, the whole Seattle Sounders game. And he just straight up said no. No explanation. Nothing else. He just said no. Um, I don't know if Alexi Lawless and all these uh, big MLS pundits are just really down on the earthquakes or they just don't want to believe in the system. I know we're on that boat right now, but <laughs> I, I'm actually really shocked. I remember um, – Oh, I forgot his name, but I, I believe he played for Sporting Kansas City. Not Jimmy Conrad, but I think his name's Caleb. Caleb Carr? Caleb Carr, yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. And he was really hammering the Quakes every time he had an opportunity to in, in the MLS's back tournament. Taylor Twelman gets us. Everybody just rags on the Earthquakes. And I think it's because we get a lot of media attention and we don't deserve it. But that could possibly be the case. Taylor Tolman rags on everyone. Like, when Atlanta United were playing in the MLS's back tournament, he mentioned, like, 20 times, Pity Martinez, South American Player of the Year, but he's not <laughs> showing up. Yeah, no, he, he definitely gives it. I mean, we need to skip Bayless in MLS, and I guess that's Taylor, Taylor Twelman, right? Yeah, although I think last podcast, I thought I kind of gave Alexi Lalas that title for what he said about Chris Wondolowski. So maybe, you know – Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith, they're one of the two each. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, moving on to the, the first game. We have Colorado versus or at San Jose. This game was a very boring game, Ivan. It was a MLS 1.0 type of game where yeah. we, we got a couple of stats to go over really quickly. Um, again, so the Quakes had 14 shots on goal while Colorado had 10. Shots on target, the Quakes had three, while the Colorado Rapids had six. Possession, the Quakes had 54, and the Colorado Rapids had 46%. Passing accuracy, the Quakes had 83, and the Colorado Rapids had 80. Chances created by the Quakes was actually zero, and the chances created by the Colorado Rapids was two. Corners, seven to eight, and fouls, 15 to 15. Ivan, how do you think that game went? Any key points that really stuck out to you? Yeah, so some of these stats are interesting. Like, Colorado technically were more efficient with their shots. You know, when you get six shots on target out of 10, that's 60%. That's pretty good. But other than the goal they scored, and I think it was their – yeah, Rubio, he might have hit the post or something. Those were the only shots that I felt like were particularly threatening. However – I do remember that they were dealing with a lot of the attacks pretty effortlessly. I think their center back, Abubakar, uh, he has great hair, by the way, but <laughs> he was doing very well in defense for Colorado Rapids. And there, there's always a few of these teams in MLS, and granted the Rapids aren't quite in the playoff contention that the D.C. Uniteds or the uh, Sporting Kansas Cities of the past were, but where there's not really a standout star player, but you look at around the pitch and you feel like these are competent players everywhere. I guess the biggest star would be Kai Kamara. But, um, yeah, it was it, – it's an interesting group. Like, on one hand, they are the most beatable team that the Quakes are facing, but that doesn't mean that this was going to be an easy three points. It was going to be an easy three points until uh, 36-year-old Kai Kamara flew out of the sky and grabbed that header into the back of the net. Um, so, again, old men are scoring goals. This is, like, this is like we're going back to MLS 1.0. Uh, 
Um, we had Wando score a PK, which a very cheeky PK, by the way. Gave me flashbacks to World Cup of 2020 when, when local Abreu scored that uh, penalty on Ghana for Uruguay. It was like a little chip shot right down the middle, and I was like, whoa, he did that. So I like the, the swagger that came off of Wando. Um, yeah. So Matt, yeah, so Matt Doyle's um, MLS armchair analysis, put it bluntly after the game, not a lot to cheer for if you're a fan of either team. Um, yeah, he put it bluntly pretty well, similar to Alexi Lalas. It's his job to cover MLS, so he watches every game and he talks about it. But I'm sure when it came to both the Rapids and the Earthquakes, the less said the better. And granted, <laughs> interestingly, both these teams, they have the highest active goal scorers in MLS right now. Chris Wondolowski obviously is the leading goal scorer. But Kai Kamara, I believe, is fifth on that list. Right. For so it's pretty interesting, and is unfortunate. Like you kind of want to tell them, like, hey, it's okay if you want to ring chase a bit with some of the better teams. Just kidding, Wanda, we love you. Don't leave. But <laughs> yeah, who who would have thought that? But and also worryingly, Danny Houston went down in the first half with an injury, and this was after he was on the few bright sparks in the last uh, group of games yeah exactly he had a that late goal against LAFC and we thought well well you know it's who's in season everybody get ready get ready for this tall tall guy with nice hair to start scoring goals but he goes down with the first half injury and then we get death taxes and Wando scoring goals I mean yeah we're, we're always gonna we're always gonna see Wando scoring goals Ivan in all seriousness what do you think the final goal count for Wando is gonna be for his career, I think it's going to be if he plays one more season after this, I think we could see him get to 180. Yeah, I was going to say 180 is a good, good mark. Um, we need to start, he needs to start padding those stats because, I mean, guys like Kai Kamara are still scoring goals. So we definitely need to get him out there on all the penalty kicks. I was kind of sad when Magnus Eriksson was taking all of them because Wando's just as good, or if not even better, on the rebound. Um, again, do you think anybody will catch Wando? Do you think it's possible? If anyone can, Kamara will be. But other than those two, I feel like we're seeing a lot, lot more movement between teams. Another person that could be in with a shout, granted I'm not sure how much time he has left to playing at that level, especially once – uh, LAFC have all their attacking pieces. There's going to be some competition spots. Bradley Wright Phillips, I'm sure he has a pretty big MLS goal haul to his name too. Yeah, he's he's definitely going to be up there. That's the only player I'm really truly scared of uh, coming up the ranks and and passing Wando. Let's just hope he. Uh, let's yeah, let's hope that LAFC gets a better attacking option and he stops scoring goals. So that can always be Wando's thing. Um, Hey, Ivan, does does Andy Rios have a shot on target since MLS is back? Yeah, but probably not, but it's okay. He's a hardworking defensive striker. He doesn't need to score. It works for Roberta for me now, so yeah, I thought that might work here. You know, you know, I, I look at Andy Rios' play, and I'm like, wow, this guy's a kind of like a, a shitty Argentinian Quincy Ameriqua, you know? <laughs> <laughs> at least Quincy would score. So, I mean, a very physical player. Um, 
very, very strong with the ball, just like Quincy Ameriqua. But Quincy would find a way to just burst past the defenders and just score bangers. And, and that's why we all loved Quincy, because he would get the job done. even nice when save there. Yeah, nice even for when he comes to this podcast. Yeah, you, no, but I mean, we all love Quincy, so um, we love him. We love you, Quincy. It's Andy Rios is kind of built the same way, but he doesn't score the goals. He doesn't back it up like Quincy Americar would back it up every time we would he would score, and he would also show the most amount of effort. We don't get that out of Andy Rios, and unfortunately, it's it's coming really evident these last two games. Yeah, I want to give a quick shout out to Quake seventy four from Discord for providing us with the uh, August twenty, August thirty first versus Orlando City stat, and this is part of a comment that he left saying that since then nothing. It's just the mood of the fan base right now. Thinking, not not much has changed since then. Somehow. Yeah, you know, missed opportunity for the Rapids, like we were talking about in the podcast before. It's the most beatable opponent in this schedule. We're not playing the likes of Seattle, Portland, LAFC, LA Galaxy, and we still only put up a draw. Ivan, do you have a stud and do you have a dud for this game? Yeah, it was a pretty interesting game. Sometimes tough to watch, to be honest. Uh, I would say... Chris Wondolowski for stud because he did put in the goal. And at this point, the most important thing right now is getting points. Quakes are desperate, gasping for air for any sort of points right now. So his goal at the end of 90 minutes, it wasn't the three that we wanted, but at least it got the Quakes one point. The duds, I split it between Jackson Ewell and Daniel Vega because they were equally responsible for the goal for Kai Kamara. Ewell lost his marker. And Vega, you got to commit if you come off your line. And he didn't. It was an open goal, pretty much. Yeah, so my stud was Paul Marie. I thought Paul Marie had a great game. He stepped in for Tommy Thompson, and he showed some promise. And then, again, my dud was just like yours, uh, Jackson Ewell. Um, He went down way too easily when he was against um, Kai Kamara on that goal. And, unfortunately, just let him do whatever he wanted to do with that header. Yeah, so before we get into the uh, next game, I do have a short game to play with you, Fabi. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. Right, so I'm going to name an MLS city slash location, since some of them are states, and you have to guess in total how many sports teams between the five major professional sports leagues in North America that location has. So I'm going to use a non-MLS city, for example. If I said Cleveland, and using the fake MLS team included, you would say four because it would be Cleveland MLS, Cleveland Indians, Cleveland Browns, and Cleveland Cavs, so four total. So Mm -hmm. do you understand what I'm asking you? Yeah, yeah. I was about to say three, so good thing you you said four. All right. So we'll start with an easy one, San Jose. So San Jose is going to only have two. Right, that's correct. And we're going to start on the West Coast, and we're going to work our way east. So how about L.A.? Ooh, this one's a hard one. Um, We're going to go with – does Anaheim count? Does that count as L.A.? It's – Kind of far away from LA, but for the purposes of this, we'll count it. Sorry, SoCal people. 
Yeah, so I'm going to say eight. So including Anaheim, it's ten. Ten. Because LA Galaxy has, and LAFC, and then all the other leagues have two each, including the Anaheim Angels and Ducks to go along with the uh, Dodgers and Kings. Yeah, so I was thinking, so the – yeah, so the baseball has two, NHL has two, basketball has two, soccer has two. And football has two, so that's – Oh, and football. Oh, yeah, they just got two. <laughs> yep. Oh, All right. Off. So moving up north, Portland. Portland has two. Correct. Yeah. How about Seattle? Seattle – now has four. Correct. You remember the Kraken. Yeah, they have the sickest jerseys, man. I mean, how could I forget? All right, Vancouver. Two. Right, just soccer and hockey for them. That's right, that's right. So now we're moving east. Uh, Salt Lake City. Whew. Um, I'm going to go with one. They have two because the Utah Jazz is based in Salt Lake City. So oh, that I didn't was know. a little tricky. Okay. All right. So Denver. Two, right? Or three, three, three. Avalanche, Avalanche. Five. So oh, including five. Oh, Rockies, Rockies. Yeah, Rockies and Rapids. Commerce City is in the Denver area, I believe. So. Mm. So we're going to skip one of the uh, Middle America cities for now because I'm going to save that for last. Okay. So let's go to Dallas. I'm going to say four. They have five. They have one team in each of the five sports leagues. Wait, uh, the Rangers? Yes. The oh. Yeah. Arlington is close to Dallas. Ah, oh, okay. All right, how about Houston? I'll go with five. Houston just has four. They do not have a hockey team. Oh, dang it. Minneapolis-St. Paul. Three. They have one in each of the five leagues. What? Yep. So the Vikings? Yeah, Vikings, Twins, then they have the Timberwolves and the Wild. Oh, the Wild. I totally for- didn't realize that. Yeah, hockey is like your weakness. <laughs> yeah. All right, how about Atlanta? Atlanta. Okay, Atlanta. Let's see. They don't have a hockey team, so four. Correct. Okay, okay. There you go. Okay, how about Orlando? They have two. Correct. They have the Magic and they have Orlando City. Okay. How about Miami? Three. They have five. They oh, have the five. Marlins. They have the Marlins, Heat, Dolphins, Inter-Miami, and the Florida Panthers. Oh, the Panthers play there? Yeah. It's a suburb of Miami. Oh, okay, okay. Nashville. I know the Predators play there. Mm-hmm. But do the Titans play there? 
That's What's your answer? Three. Yes, including the Titans. Okay. Nashville has three. Let's go. Okay, okay. All right, Chicago. Oof. Oof. Six. Correct, because they have two baseball teams. That's what I was I was I was thinking. I was like, I have to have six. <laughs> All right. Columbus. Columbus has two. Yep, because they got hockey and soccer. Yep. Cincinnati. Two. Oh no, oh three, three, no, three. Yeah, it's three because FC, Bengals, and the Reds. <laughs> Oh, that's right. The Bengals. I forgot. What was I thinking then? Oh, okay. Right. The Bengals. And, I think that was one. Anyway. Next up, we have Washington, D.C. Oh. Washington FC is the best team. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Washington Football Club. Yeah, Washington Football Club. D.C. United just rebranded, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, three, right? Or four, 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 four. Four is your final answer? Final answer. It's five. They got one in each sport. Oh, the Wizards. Oh, I didn't think of the Wizards. I didn't think of the Wizards. Okay. Montreal. Three. They just have soccer and hockey because they don't have the Expos anymore. Oh, I thought you were going to do a trick question on me. I was like, oh, they had three. Toronto. All right, Toronto. They have to have a hockey team, so four. Yes. I'll okay. accept, obviously, the National Football League. Since right. We're, I'm not going to be super mean and quiz you on the Canadian Football Canadian League. Football League. <laughs> <laughs> Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Russell Process. Let's go with five. Correct. All right, cool, cool. So... Penguins. New York. All right, New York, New York. This one's hard. Like New York, the state or the city? So any team with New York or a borough of New York in its name for this one. Okay. Oh, this one's hard. It's gonna I'm I'm gonna say nine. They have ten. Oh, so I do it. Two hockey teams? Two and yes. They have oh. the Rangers and Islanders. Oh, I knew I was thinking Rangers, but not Islanders. Oh yeah. Technically a couple of those New York teams are based in New Jersey, but you know. Yeah. Well we won't go into that, you know. Right. Just... <laughs> yes. And then then there's the Boston city. <laughs> Boston. Let's go five. Correct. One in each sport. All right. And then the last one, I saved this for uh, a reason. So how many Kansas City teams are in the same state? Because there's a Kansas City, Kansas, and a Kansas City, Missouri, as sporting Kansas City. This one's hard. Yep, it's the hardest one. I'm going to say three. So, 
Sporting Kansas City is in Kansas. Kansas City Chiefs is in Missouri. And the Royals is also in Missouri. So two are in Kansas City, Missouri, and just the MLS side in Kansas City, Kansas. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah, it's a very interesting situation. And that will conclude this game. All you did right. pretty well. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I did better than the first game you had me do. I mean, I got like yeah. a whole bunch of them wrong. Yeah, the nationalities of players in MLS is a bit tougher to memorize. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I guess hockey was my weakness, I would say. I think I didn't realize how many hockey teams there were in the big cities. but Right, definitely, yeah. And especially because you associate hockey, ice hockey in particular, with a lot of the northern states and Canada, of course. So it's right. like, wait, Florida has how many teams? Yeah, and then when the teams are like from Florida, I didn't know they were in Miami, things like that. Mm-hmm. That got me. I was curious, what other city in Utah did you think the Utah Jazz played in, if not Salt Lake City? Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I just, I guess whenever I see real Salt Lake, I always forget it's Salt Lake City. I don't know why. I just, I just think it's like, I guess it's just like Real Salt Lake. They made up that name. You know, I don't think it's Salt Lake City. (laughs) All right. So this was a fun game. Uh, Now for uh, the less fun game to talk about the two that the Quakes played, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So on to the next game that was less fun to watch. Um, We saw a whole bunch of goals kind of just go into the back of the net. And it wasn't Vegas' fault this time. Um, Right. We're talking about – Go ahead. Yeah, this time – Everyone was to blame in one way or another. I'm wearing a Charlie Brown shirt right now because this game felt like the San Jose Earthquakes for Charlie Brown and Seattle Sounders kept taking the ball away from them at the last oh, minute, yeah. like Lucy. And it was just painful to watch. No, it was. It was, again, San Jose at Seattle. We're going to go over the goal scorers first, and then we'll go over a bit of the stats. So. You won't believe this. So hear, hear, hear it correctly. At the fourth minute, it was a goal from Jordan Morris. At the 12th minute, it was a goal from Rui Diaz. At the 15th minute, it was a goal from Kay Leardam. <laughs> and then, Kelvin uh, at, Leardam. Kevin Leardam? Kelvin. Kelvin like Leardam. Temperature, yeah. Okay. And then at the 20th minute, it was Jovan Jones. At the 33th minute, it was Rui, Rui Diaz. Oh, Raul Rui Diaz. <laughs> And then in the 48th minute, it was Joao Paulo, the new D- DP signing, something that we won't see. Um, <laughs> and the last goal was Joven Jones. Um, and then we're going to go into a little bit of match stats. So 16 shots from wait, the wait, Quakes. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. There was one last goal. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Like, how, how could I miss? How could I miss that? Oh, Captain. Oh, Captain. My eternal Captain. Wondolowski with a PK goal at 71 minutes. On a very controversial PK, but I understand why he called it. Yeah, a good captain always goes down with the ship, unfortunately. And he provided one semblance of something to celebrate. And it was controversial because when I was watching it initially, I looked like, oh, Tommy Thompson got fouled in the box. Penalty sounds good to me. And then a – 
surprisingly angry Sounders fan sent me a picture of where it was zoomed in. And you can see Tommy Thompson's foot. Like, there's a reasonable claim that he stepped on Arriaga and it shouldn't, it should have been a foul the other way, if anything. So, but you know what? We were down 7 0. Let us have this. Like, yeah, I. I, I <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe that Sounders fan really getting mad over a PK when you're up seven zero, really really just just hounding it in on us. I mean you're up seven zero, just relax. It's one goal. I do like, feel bad because like Stephen Fry, like the few times that he was involved in the shots, because obviously there weren't many because they won seven one. Like he did what he was supposed to do, and Stephen Fry he he also he went to high school in the Bay Area. De La Salle. So, yeah, De La Salle. So, you know, I want him to do well when he's not playing against the San Jose Earthquakes. And he did well anyway. Even though he didn't get a clean sheet, you know, I'm sure he's not going to lose much sleep over this one. Yeah, so I actually think the PK was still a PK, right? Because if you impede on the the runner or the person with the ball in the box, it still is a PK. It's a very soft PK, but I can understand why they called the PK. Um because, I mean, it was kind of like that Chris Paul, Steph Curry, when he steps on his, his shoe and just jukes the heck out of him. But right. going into some stats, we look at Seattle having 16 shots on goal, the quick 11 shots on target, the Seattle Sounders with 11, and the Quakes with five. I can't believe that. Um, <laughs> Seattle with 56% of the possession, while the Quakes have 44%. Passing accuracy of 88% by Seattle and the Quakes with 84 chances created. Now, this is a big one. This is completely lopsided. Eight to the Quakes, zero. So that means the Quakes have created zero chances in the last two games. Right. Do we miss Magnus Eriksson yet? Is that. <laughs> we miss him because he resembles a competent player, which no one looked like in this game. He's probably chilling in Sweden. Glad he wasn't a part of this mess. But just, at the same time, I'm not sure if Magnus Eriksson's in this game. It's not a similarly ugly scoreline. So Magnus Eriksson would, for some reason, we, we kind of harped on him. He would just turn with the ball, take a hit, get a foul, slow the game down. And that's what Magnus Eriksson was really good at and get PKs and make the PKs. And we're kind of missing that right now. We're missing someone that has – the vision to make something out of nothing, which Vako does sometimes, but he very selfishly does it. Um, yeah, he plays like I play FIFA. Like, I am very slow with my build-up play, and, like, I wait until I see a clear pass because if I mess up that pass that gets intercepted, I assume I'm going to get scored the other way. And that's a very similar fear that the Earthquakes had realized in this game. Yeah, I mean, Vako's like playing pro clubs out there when you don't want to pass. <laughs> yeah, just the one yellow card, uh, Quakes got it. Um, that's the one one of the few bright spots about the Quakes. I don't get many uh, cards. Uh, Seattle tied the record for most goals in a game. Is this against the Quakes, I'm assuming? Because I'm sure there was an MLS game where one team scored eight goals. So – they were saying that throughout Twitter, they were saying that if they get one more goal, they beat the record for most MLS, um, most goals in MLS game. So we are Correct. definitely record holders now or tied with that seven to one uh, defeat. 
Right, so. eight goals total. This was definitely the worst loss in MLS history. Mm. I mean, for the Quakes, worst MLS loss for the San Jose Earthquakes by a six-goal margin. There was a couple games that were by seven-goal margins. That was the record. And it very easily could have been a new record. Like Seattle Sounders could have had eight or nine. Yeah, and there was a couple saves in there by Vega. So the goal line saves. Jordan Morris, I thought we was going to have two more goals. So definitely it could have been worse. Um, I, I don't want to kick the guy while he's down because Vega did make some good saves. But at the same time, did he make an impressive save before they were three or four zero down? I get he was largely hung out to dry by the defenders. Large. And maybe I should put defenders in quotation marks for that game because that didn't resemble any sort of defense I know. But still, Vega has yet to really show that he can keep the Quakes in a game. And this is not an example of something I'm going to pin or blame against Vega, but I'm not going to say that this is a turnaround of any sense. Like, it's still a crushing defeat. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, again, Vega needs to be better, but, I mean, he stopped it from being 9-0. And at yeah. this point, the only positive we have is that. <laughs> uh, right. So Maybe it's for the best that Marcinkowski or Bursano wasn't in this game because uh, a 7-0 lot or – conceding seven goals when you're a keeper that doesn't regularly play would just destroy your confidence. At least Vega has the security of knowing that he is the starter and he's been in lopsided losses before and hasn't lost a starting spot. So that is the one, you know, thing that he can hold on to right now. Yeah. The most impressive thing about Vega is he just wreaks confidence, even though he's not that good. So I guess you want that in the leader. You want someone that just reeks the confidence, just like Magnus Eriksson. I mean, I know he wore the captain armband for us, but he reeked that confidence, even though sometimes, some days, some games, he just had really bad days. Um, so Wando now has scored 10 goals all time versus the Seattle Sounders, which is really impressive since they've only been around since 2009. I believe that yeah. would make, I, I believe that would make him one of the most, or one of the most, uh, awarded goal scorers versus Seattle. I would like to know if maybe there's anybody else, maybe someone on the Portland Timbers or Valeri or anything like that. But I think that's a pretty hard stat to beat. Yeah, it would have to be someone else who's been in the league for a long time. Maybe not even Landon Donovan because, yeah, he's been in MLS for a long time. But from 2009 when the Sounders entered the league to 2014 when he announced his first retirement, uh, that might not have been enough opportunities, but still, if you can score 10 goals against the same opposition, that's a good thing to have. Uh, unfortunately, there wasn't any way he was going to score the seven goals needed to salvage anything from this game. Yeah. So Ivan, what do you think? One stud and one dud of the whole game. I am going to break the formula once again. No stud. All duds. Like, that's a cop-out answer, but it's an appropriate answer for this result. Yeah, you know, uh, you just got a whole bunch of milk duds there. <laughs> um, yeah, I have Vega as a stud. I think he 
I know a goalie with seven goals let in shouldn't be on the studs list, but that's how bad the rest of the team played. Um, I, you could give Tommy Thompson a stud for getting that penalty, selling it. I mean, the James Harden effect, yeah. maybe he's been watching the playoffs. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, again, I put the duds as the whole team. I think the main point, I think Luis, Luis Felipe played horribly, but a lot of this goes on the whole team for not bouncing back. Not even after the three goals, four goals, the fifth goal, no bounce back at all. Yeah, and one player in particular who got a lot of attention in this game was Luis Felipe. This was his first start, I believe, in two years. And he started this game, and he looked totally lost and worked thinking – why did Luis Felipe think he was coming off the field when he made that line change? Almeida subbed on five players at once in like the last 25 minutes or so of the game. And maybe Almeida was punishing him. He seemed mad that he realized he wasn't coming off. And yeah, this, this aspect is like put on your tinfoil hat and kind of think with us. Why would Luis Felipe even be on the field for this game? This is a game against a Seattle Sounders team that's just so good in the midfield. Um, Jackson Yule, was there something behind the scenes that we don't know of? Was there, there's a, was there a riff with the coach? Was there something that he didn't like? Um, why was Almeida even punishing Luis Felipe? Because he thought, you know, he was coming off and he got mad when he wasn't coming off. Again, why didn't we just see – Eric Cavillo, come on. Eric Cavillo has gotten a whole bunch of minutes during the games prior, so why not just start him? Why throw in a guy that hasn't played for two years? Again, these are all questions we are all wondering. And some on Twitter and then Jarrell Soria from the Quakes After 90 pod kind of said, maybe they're doing this to kind of really get those bad losses in so that we can open the pocketbook a little more to get Black some good visual. talent in. Black and Azul pod, you mean, right? Yeah, Black and sorry, <laughs> Black and Azul podcast. Yeah, from Joe Joe Soria said that, and I thought that was really, really kind of a funny thing to think about. I mean, why, why even put Luis Felipe out there? I still don't understand. Um, Eric Cavilla was playing great. I mean, he wasn't playing bad. He would he would have done better than Luis Felipe. So, just a couple of things to think about. I think we can give ourselves credit for Eric Calvillo getting minutes because he didn't play before we had him on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. We, uh, <laughs> I talked to him a little bit, you know, put some confidence in him. <laughs> I, uh, I made him believe in himself into a little Almeida's bit. office and was like, you know what? These two fans think I should play more. <laughs> I want to play more. Um, Shout out to no. our weekly podcast listener, Matias Almeida. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think – if, if Almeida was trying to prove a point, I think this might show that it's not the best locker room culture out there because Felipe, you know, he hasn't done much right considering he hasn't played that often, but he hasn't played that often. So the struggles that Quakes have been having, you can't blame it on him. If you are trying to make a point that this – roster needs more depth and more signings that's one thing but at the same time you're ruining a guy's confidence and you're making everyone else feel uncomfortable because if Felipe was set up to fail it can happen to anyone else 
and so that's why I have a hard time believing someone as accomplished as Almeida has been in more cutthroat leagues, if we're being honest, leagues with relegation and promotion and more immediate consequences. Like, if this was any other league in the world, someone would have been fired by the time we're recording this podcast the day after this loss because of this result. Yeah, I don't think Almeida or Jesse's going anywhere because that's just going to require more work out of our owner. And unfortunately, he's not going to do that. So, again, this is truly the dark days. This is truly the lowest of the lows. Again, we've, we had a, a streak where we just didn't win any single game, but we didn't, we, we didn't ever lose this bad. Um, it almost makes Michael Starhe kind of look like a, a, like a top-tier coach. Uh, maybe we were a little too hard on him because basically with almost the same guys, he got some sort of results a lot more than what we have with Matias Almeida. Did he get them to the playoffs that one year when they lost to Vancouver? No, so that was a Ian Russell. So Ian Ian Russell they're took over to, halfway through. They're starting to blend together at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, okay. he started the season with them. So, I mean, right. he gets some credit. But, yeah, after right. a couple of big losses, we went then went to coach uh, Reno's coach, Ian Russell. Um, right. And they spent – the Quakes spent two days on trips to the coast for team bonding activities – and this feels like they're trying anything and everything to get this team back on the right track. They've tried the Zen approach. They've tried the hard nose approach with the training. And obviously with the high pressing and man marking style, that does require some intense training to get these players up to speed. And maybe even then it's not working because Maybe it's like a Klinsman USA situation where, like, you're overtraining these players possibly too. Mm. I, I don't know. Whatever they're doing, it seems like nothing is working. And, it like, something happened in Orlando that allowed them to play better than they have here. Yeah, I, I was thinking the other day, was Magnus Eriksson the glue for all this? Was it – was he the reason why this locker room was still in belief of Matias Almeida? Was he just playing completely out of his position and understanding the role that he wanted to do and make sure that the, the quakes went forward, even though that he wasn't playing in his position and even though he, he wasn't playing what he likes to play again. Uh, I don't know if Matias Almeida has lost the locker room and that's kind of, it's kind of daunting to think about Wow. This, this superstar head coach that was possibly coaching for you know monterey mexico's national team can't even control the san jose earthquakes locker room when it's not even i, I hate to say it but not that serious when looking back at like achieves role or his role in argentina so again this is just baffling to me right and it's not slight in mls or a slight in san jose it's just observing that even still like even though there's millions of soccer fans across the country and probably even millions of soccer fans in California alone that it, there is more that goes on in San Jose in particular than following the earthquakes. There, There's another sports team. There's all these tech companies. There's the hustle and bustle of life. And Guadalajara is a pretty big city too. Don't get me wrong. But the Chivas is the heart and soul of that city. 
that went the city almost shuts down whenever there's a Chivas game, particularly if it's the Clasico against America. So it is a different level of pressure playing for one of the biggest clubs in Mexico or managing for one of the biggest clubs in Mexico versus managing an MLS club. Yeah, so let's just look based off of what you said, let's just look at the pure stats. I mean, the San Jose Earthquake Earthquakes as a team has about 270,000 followers on Twitter, while Alanis has almost, you know, one and one fourth of that. So he has about 375,000 Twitter followers. So that's just one player. So again, the Chivas role was a lot harder than this, but at least in the Chivas role, you got that pocketbook to spend somewhat, somewhat cash. Right. Um, and briefly, I, before we get into our pr- previews for the next upcoming games, I do want to give my thoughts because you and I, we both tuned into the Black and Azul post-match podcast, and I'm sure that we took away different feel or maybe in similar feelings from it. Mine was that I felt like they did a good job dissecting the game in a way that, okay, we got through the bad and they didn't let anything left unsaid. They were very honest with their assessment. They had an opportunity to speak to Chris Wondolowski in the press conference as well, which is really interesting. And they asked him some tough questions without being too over in wondering if there's something going on in the locker room or team culture. And they did their best not necessarily to give the Quakes fans hope that things will get better because you can't realistically sell that after a 7-1 loss, but to uh, give us fans a forum to – communicate with each other to express our thoughts and vent. And it was very cathartic. And I'm hoping that listening to this podcast here on Tectonic Takes can also be a cathartic experience because I know if you're listening to this, chances are you're a Quakes fan and you're as frustrated and disappointed in this team as we are. But we are here for you, and we're going to get through this. Yeah, shout out to Black and Azul. Uh, they did a great job basically telling us all all they think about the owner, all they think about the game. And I actually like the take that the guys were talking about where this owner's not going to do anything. I mean, like I said on the podcast before, this owner has a house in a good neighborhood, and he's just not improving his house, but he knows if he sits on the lot that all the houses around it will make his house valued more. And again, that's not going to change until the other houses start to think that his house, the Quakes owner's house, is going to drop their price. So that's what we're kind of seeing with RSL right now. I mean, he's the owner for RSL is getting pushed out because it's cost costing them less money. And we won't see Fisher leave at all until the other MLS teams feel threatened. Or maybe maybe he catches on. Maybe this is a wake you know wake up call for him. And he's like, I don't want to be just, you know, embarrassed again. And I really, we all pray and hope that he does and just, you know, drops that checkbook and signs Andres Guardado. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. But 
he, he, they need to make a move like that now. I mean, they've lost a lot of hope and a lot of season ticket holders. I saw a lot of people on Twitter kind of saying that they're not renewing because they're, they're sick and tired of it. And this has been for the last three to four years. Unfortunately, even before right. Almeida, people were just sick and tired of this after the first couple of years at Avaya or Earthquakes, Avaya at the time and now Earthquake Stadium. Um, it kind of lost its nice. It's It kind of lost the newness of the stadium and people just wanted to see results. Right. And I understand people who don't want to renew their season tickets after this. And that doesn't mean that you're no longer a Quakes fan if you're not a season ticket holder. Of course not. There are several fans like myself, partially a large reason why, because I live uh, eight hours away from San Jose, but that there's so many ways to be a fan. And unfortunately, being a season ticket holder is a luxury that some people either can't afford or they would rather not commit to if the product is constantly underwhelming. Like you can handle losing games if you're competitive, if you're losing games 2-1, 1-0, or 2-0. If you're constantly losing by these scorelines that we've seen so far in this last month, then that is really pathetic. Yeah, I was was caught in rooting for Seattle because I was truly – I was truly lost from this result. I thought, wow, this can't be happening. So that wraps it up for the first part of Tatonic Takes presented by the Beautiful Game Network. We're going to go ahead and after this break, we're going to go ahead and go into your fan questions as well as the previews for the next two games. Again, if you ever want to you know, ask us a question on the pod, or if you want to go ahead and voice your opinion on the pod, again, we're here for you guys. Please just let us know we'll get you on the pod and we'll answer your question. Please don't forget to like and subscribe to us. Um, We have a big announcement. We are going to be on YouTube now. So that's a new platform. If you want to share our YouTube stuff, please do. Um, But we'll be right back after this quick break. Thank you. The 16-year-old has given the Quakes a 2-1 lead. Well done, K. Cal. Well done, young man. What a wonderful strike that was. How many times, Anthony, do we go to practice and we see them doing with that exact drill where K comes in on the right-hand side and that shot's to pick out the bottom left-hand corner of Bingham's goal. So Welcome, everybody, back to the Daytonic Takes presented to you by, by the Beautiful Game Network. I'm your host, Favi, and I'm here with Ivan Ornelas. How are you doing? Hey, so we're going to go right into the previews of the next games. So the first game, it's LA Galaxy at San Jose Earthquake. So the Classico one more time. Ivan, what players are you looking out for? So we're looking out for Christian Pavon and San Francisco native Sebastian Leggett. They pretty much had their way with the San Jose Earthquakes last time around, particularly Pavon matched up against Tommy Thompson. And that'll be an interesting call to see which right back gets the nod for that game, whether it'll likely be between Tommy Thompson and Paul Marie. Although I do think that moving Nick Lima to his preferred spot and then trying Marcos Lopez or someone at left back isn't a bad idea either. Yeah, what's nice about these games coming up is it happens so quick, right? We can forget about our last 
two games that we lost by a lot. So I think it was, forget. yeah, we can forget about them. So what's nice about these fast games is that, um, but I think we saw the last of Tommy Thompson in, in defense. Um, we saw him come on for the Seattle Sounders games as a more of a central midfielder attacking midfielder. So I think we might've seen the last of Tommy Thompson at right back. I'm predicting a Nick Lima at right back and a Marco Marcos Lopez on the left. Yeah, that's the safest option, I feel like. Marcos Lopez, uh, he's a young player, but he's on the proving national team radar. So, And yeah. before his injury, he's performed well. So I definitely think that he deserves to get a bit more game time. Yeah, he's got two caps of the proving national team. And um, Nick Lima, he's it's almost night and day sometimes when he plays at right back versus when he plays at left back. Yeah, he just oozes confidence at right back. Oozes it. Yeah, and some people think, especially people who play a lot of FIFA, oh, a fullback, you can slam him in in either side and it doesn't make much of a difference. But it really does. That's why you have distinct right wingers and left wingers (laughs) and attack. And the same applies for fullbacks. Yeah, um, we had a Nick Lima a couple of years ago that was getting caps for the USA team. So why not have we ever since Marco Lopez came into our squad? I just noticed his price tag today actually, and I was like, what? Why isn't this dude starting? So he was an expensive player to bring in. He wasn't anything cheap. So I think he should be starting on the left and Nick Lima on the right. That's our best lineup. Again, it seems like Matias is just tinkering a little too much when he doesn't have to. Again, Um, I think – And there are rumors that Chicharito could be fit for this game too. And – Ivan, you there? Ivan? About there anymore. Yes. Okay, sorry, you cut out. Do you mind saying that again? Oh, so Chicharito could possibly feature for this Galaxy game and – you have a range of reactions with him. You have people who think, oh, he's past it. He's a tapping merchant. Like, he's a predictable player. And then on the other hand, you have you're think, you have people who are like, oh, Chicharito's going to play. Like, we're going to lose. This is the end of the world. And, like, he's a threat. You have to give him the attention he deserves. He's had a pretty good career throughout his time in Europe. And you just have to deal with it. They have to do a lot better than they did against – the front four of the Seattle Sounders for accomplished players as well. Yeah. If I had to choose who I'm more scared of right now between Jordan Morris and Chicharito, I would say Jordan Morris. Um, Chicharito might play into what the Quakes kind of do. So my score prediction for this game is that the Quakes are going to win three to one and we get back on track. We're going to win the Cali Classico and everything's all right. Fisher doesn't have to spend any money. <laughs> Matias Almeida is a god. Wow. We are back on track, boys. Playoffs inbound. Let's be a little optimistic. Ivan, what's your score prediction? As much as I would love to get the California Classico Band-Aid and put it all over the San Jose Earthquakes and pretend everything's all right, I don't think they'll get that luxury. I think it's going to be a tough game. It's... Galaxy are winning with confidence, and part of it is that they've played LAFC multiple times as well, and 
LAFC just haven't cracked the code against LA Galaxy, so that gives Galaxy more confidence. And they're on the upward trajectory. San Jose Earthquakes are downward spiraling. It's tough to see a team bounce back right away from big loss. And I think it's going to be another one. I don't think it will be as big. I think it will be a 2-1 loss. Okay. Yeah, I think I think Pavone is going to expect Tommy Thompson to be at right back, and then they're going to get overconfident, and maybe we sneak out a little victory. You know, Vlaco, a couple bangers, and then maybe a Shea Salinas extra time winner. All right? <laughs> I think Pavone will terrorize whoever is at right back, but – I hope it won't be a repeat of that performance against Tommy Thompson. Yeah, I can't but wait till uh, you see wingers be. I have a, go ahead. Be defenders. You see wingers be uh, defenders often, but that was only like brutal. It was one way traffic. Yeah, uh, I I can't wait till the day that Pavone's you know loan kind of already finishes because they're not going to be able to afford him at $20 million is his asking price. So I just can't wait till that day comes. Yeah. Until then, uh, after this game, we will play the Portland Timbers. Finally, this was supposed to be the first of the six games scheduled. Of course it got moved back because on that Wednesday, there was a massive protest in Recent in the recent events of another uh, police shooting, and that was an incredible moment of solidarity between athletes of various sports. But now we're back to this fixture in the last of these six scheduled games before we get into the next phase. And I think Portland, they probably are a bit more confident than they were at the beginning if they were to play the earthquakes in the original scheduled time, because you always wonder if there's going to be some sort of hangover after winning a major tournament, which I believe is a fitting designation for the MLS's back tournament, despite it literally being a Mickey Mouse cup. (laughs) But I think Portland Timbers, they have had some tough results. Uh, they've given the Seattle Sounders some good games, although it's been a dogfight. But Ivan, I you're missing the biggest point here. They don't have Blanco anymore. Blanco is out. So maybe after the Quakes win against LA Galaxy, the Cali Classico, maybe we get yeah, another no. W, all right? <laughs> that is two Ws in a row, baby. It's going to be WW. Matias Almeida is a god. And then he leaves to coach the national team of Chile. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> if anyone came to this podcast expecting Arsenal fan TV reactions to that loss, um, you, this pretty much confirms what you've known throughout this podcast if you got to this point that we aren't quite that level of angry. But um, I am still not drinking whatever Kool-Aid Fabi's drinking right now. Hey, man, this I, Kool-Aid's great. It's from Argentina. It's the same <laughs> thing that Andy Rios drinks every day. Vega. You know, they don't let the haters get to you, all right? Have you seen there's – this, there's this Twitter account. And it's only got three followers, but I've seen it on some of the Sanzo Earthquakes tweets. Andy Rios Burner, have you seen it? Yeah, and then a Daniel <laughs> Vegas stand account. Yeah. Yeah, yeah shout out great. to those Twitter handles. I love yeah, it. I love it. We see you. We see you. You guys yeah. are doing good work. 
So um, I, I think it's going to be two to one. What's your score prediction? Um, I think it's going – you're starting to convince me. Maybe I might predict a draw for this one, but uh, – yeah, you know, uh, no Blanco, it, it, all right? We got to watch out for Valeri and Ibobase, but no Blanco is huge. It is huge. And But we've, we're conceding goals to Kelvin Landam right now, so I think <laughs> it'll be a 2-0 loss. Well, you know what? Colombian Diego, Diego Chara is out there, right? I remembered that one, all right? <laughs> well, it'll be a 2-0 loss to both Chara brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But you know what? Let's be optimistic, Ivan. We're going to get two Ws in this next two games, and then we're going to go on to the next schedule. Get Portland at home again with no Blanco? Oh, that's going to be easy Ws, baby. We're going to be talking yeah. like the Warriors. Just 73 okay. and 9 right now for the rest of the season. Dub only, Nation. Only dubs. <laughs> All right. So let's get into this fan spotlight. Yeah. And so the fan spotlight, we had a whole bunch of questions, guys. Thanks for replying to our stuff. Thanks for showing us love. And thanks for wanting to be a part of our podcast. Again, we do this for you guys. This is your opportunity to get your voice out there in Quakes Media. Um, the first question, or where's. It was a question, but we're kind of going to go and take it into and make it into a game. Like, Ivan likes to give me games. I can finally give him a game based on a couple of Jesse Fiorinelli's kind of transfers throughout his time. So, Dan Burkhead wants to know if we can name any good Jesse signings. Um, and I'm going to just go ahead and just start naming off these names and a little bit about them right now. And we're going to go ahead and see what Ivan thinks. So Okay. Vaco. Um, I'm not going to say it's a horrible signing. I think maybe an average. I give it a C right now because there's games where Vaco has been brilliant and then there's games where Vaco has disappeared. I think for the price that we paid for him, plus he had DP status or has it still, I think we expected more from him, though. That's fair to say. So you're telling me an earthquake that's had almost 90 caps and 25 goals in his tenure was a bust. Not a bust. I think he didn't move the needle, though. He okay. didn't improve the team. Okay. Like he, I guess individually, in terms of the individual talent at this club, he has. But you, you haven't seen a shift in this level. And you do expect that from your DPs. Okay, so I'm going to make this game a little easier. Um, right. Since we, it's kind of a gray area, we're going to make it rank it on 1 to 10. So okay. 1 being the worst and 10 being the best signing of all time. Um, so, Vaco. I'll give it a 6. 6. Okay. Jefferson Quintana, which currently plays for a top three club in Uruguay, is Danubio. That's good for him. Congratulations. But that's <laughs> bad for the Quakes, so I'll give it a 1. Yeah, he didn't really play that good with us, but he plays for a top three club in Uruguay, which, I mean, they they have a great league. I mean, they got guys playing like Diego Rossi and Brian Rodriguez coming out of yeah. there. So, that's – okay, that's a one. Francis Offalter. It was a free transfer given. Okay, and he didn't play that much, but he had a couple games here and there. Give him a generous four. A four, okay, okay. How about this one? This one shocked me when I was on transfer market. Danny Husen for a hundred and ten thousand dollars. 
give him a seven because for that price, he has contributed and he has looked like one of the Quakes' better players. Yeah, you know, you know the funniest thing about it is how do you get a striker that scored on Barcelona for that cheap? Um, yeah, that I, alone is five hundred thousand dollars. Right, exactly. <laughs> he played for Ajax. Like, like what? One hundred and ten thousand dollars. That is a good piece of business. I think he sh- Jesse deserves credit on purchasing him at that. Magnus Eriksson for one point two mil. So he was also a relatively big signing in the same vein as Vaco, and I'll give him a six as well. I think okay. he's been a good player. Hasn't moved the needle as much as we wanted, but, you know, you, you definitely feel his absence now. Maybe it's the grass is always greener. <laughs> no, never know a good thing till it's gone, but I think a six is fair. Okay. Selling Alashe for 127000 I'd give that a one, I think. A one, okay. You think he's undervalued uh, there? Definitely undervalued. He's playing in Columbus Crew now, and it seems like – a lot of these players that we've let go of, they're better off right now. And maybe that's a symptom of the player has improved. Maybe it's the club is better or a mixture of the two. Hey, Adam Yon is scoring goals for Atlanta United. How do you feel about that? <laughs> it's like a, a tight end out there playing soccer. Uh, Atlanta United's got their own problems, but <laughs> at least they know that they have Joseph Martinez coming back eventually. Yeah, that I mean, they can't have Adam Yan out there just the, the the bus going through the box every single game. I I I got so angry when we put Adam Yan out there every every game. But all right, so moving on, buying Marco Lopez. This kind of shocked me for three hundred eighty-five thousand dollars. Jerry's still out, but I'll give it a six for now because from what we have gotten of him so far, I've seen him play very well. And I hope he gets more chances. And he's still young. He's still got room to grow. Yeah, okay. And then this is going to be a very controversial one. Daniel Vega on a free transfer. <sighs> I can't give him a one because I'm not going to just forget that he's ever had a good game. I will never forget being at the game where he saved a penalty against the Portland Timbers last year. That was really fun. But – how much does a few good games get you on a scale of one to 10? It was a free transfer and there were at times where he looked like an MLS keeper, despite coming from a lower division. I'll give him a four simply because he was free, but it's going to be a lower number if he can't even keep another clean sheet this season. Okay, selling Tarbell for seventy five thousand. I mean, it is kind of low, but Tarbell wasn't doing much here anyway. I'm gonna give that a three simply because the price tag is a bit low for any sort of player. You want to get at least six digits, but you know we're not gonna be like the reason the Quakes suck is because we don't have Tarbell anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm just happy we got something for him. Um, all right, so this one seems like a fleece. I mean, I, based off of all of these players that we have here, selling Godoy for $635,000. I'm going to give that a two because maybe Godoy was at the end of his rope in um, San Jose Earthquakes, like 
at the time it didn't seem like we needed him, whereas opposed to by the time Magnus Eriksson did leave this club, it felt like Eriksson was leaving a bigger hole than Godoy. And granted, that was before we knew that we were only going to sign Alanis on loan in the past window. But still, he is a serviceable player. He's a decent player for Nashville. And he did a lot of good things for the club during his time here. I think, I'm not sure if you can ask a million for him, but certainly more than 635000 Okay, okay. And then, so if they're... Um, market or if their transfer wasn't posted, I believe it can be less than four hundred thousand. Am I am I wrong? They don't have. I have, to... I have no idea when it comes to transfer market and MLS stuff because MLS has like forty nine thousand different rules for this. But... Yeah, I think if it's under a certain threshold, either five hundred thousand, they don't have to disclose it. Um, so okay. Yeah, and I know the Quakes are really secret about their about their numbers. I know I didn't put a number for Vaco, but I believe it was closer to like a three million price point with his salary included. Um, so they kind of just put it along um, with his salary or his transfer. And I get that too. Vaco wasn't necessarily riding the bench in, in Vitesse when the Quakes got him, and he is a Georgian international. So yeah, okay, yeah. I think I think that your rating of a of a six, yeah, was for Vaca was fair. Um, next up, we have your favorite player. So, given that it can be under five hundred thousand to bring them in, what do you feel about Andy Rios? Uh, hmm. I'm thinking of an apt number higher than zero, lower <laughs> than one. But this is a math class. I'll just give him a one. Uh, <laughs> I just don't get the point of him, like. I've seen a lot of frustrating forwards before, like in both for USA and Mexico. I've seen Aldo Negris play, and I've seen Josie Altidore play, and this guy makes them both look like Shearer and Sutton. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, what are you doing there? Like, what is your role? Like, do something of note. Like, I just, you know – put like a dog in his position and he would have more energy <laughs> yeah you know it was evident he kind of was out of it when he had that late i think it was a late hit on rolled on i mean dude what are you doing like stop if you're gonna try look like you're trying just don't try at all right and that's like the yeah. Louis felipe way right <laughs> i think i just rewarded the listeners hoping for an arsenal fan tv streak in me with that assessment of andy rios's play for San Jose earthquakes you're welcome i got it out of my system <laughs> All right, Carlos Fierro. Um, Fierro, where are you? Do when you put like <laughs> your face on a milk carton or something, he gets the Chivas boost for me. But for now, I put him as a two. A two, okay. And he hasn't so, done much. So, given that these are underneath the the undisclosed transfer fee, um, you give Carlos Fierro a two, okay? I think his his hype should be more than a half a million dollars. But I guess they all knew something in Mexico that we did not see. Um, and the next one would be Yutsen. What do you think of Yutsen? Yeah, one last time, Fierro. Uh, I follow Chivas very closely. And he was part of some decent Chivas squads. But, like, he always felt like that one or two that just didn't feel like he was going to make that leap that people maybe expected of him when he was younger. Um, as for Yutsen, 
we got him for a pretty low price, and he has had some decent games. But, you know, I'm trying not to cloud my judgment too much on his very bad games this year. But right now, I say a six. Okay. Because I maybe still the good outweighs the bad about this move. Like, whereas I don't know what the hell Rios and Fierro are doing these days, one playing and doing nothing and the other not playing and doing nothing. But Judson is there. Availability is a good ability to have in a player. And we know what his role is, and he has completed that role at times. Okay. Um, And then the last one, rounding up the pack, is Espinoza for $2.5 million. Hmm. I think we still need some time, and I think – Unfortunately, because he had to turn his loan, maybe turning his loan deal into a permanent one prevented San Jose Earthquakes from making another move. But then again, like that's a pretty lame excuse if that was the case. I do want to give him some more time. And it may seem weird that I gave Judson and uh, Vaco a little more, a uh, slightly better score. For now, I'll give him a five. Not too bad, not too good. I think we know that he's a great player. I think he's the highest-rated player on this team in FIFA 20. Not that that makes too much of a difference for a lot of our (laughs) listeners, but it's something. And I think Espinoza, he is a creative player, and creative players come in short supply in this team these days. Yeah, so just racking up all the points real quickly. I'm trying to see what your average for Jesse Fiorinelli was. And I see you're kind of across the board. I mean, looking at the numbers that you have, it's <laughs> is it Jesse Fiorinelli out or is it Jesse Fiorinelli is okay? So I it's, I think I think it's still Fiorinelli out. I think these are like I'm trying to count all these. That's four eight, uh, 12 signings, and none of them is a 9 or a 10. Like, usually by accident, if someone makes 10 signings, one significantly improves the team uh, yeah. in uh, almost any club. So in usually you don't expect ones or twos or maybe even the threes. Yeah, so, so your, average, your average came out to four. So – Four out of ten on Jesse Firinelli's time here, um, and the highest number was the business of Danny Husen for $110,000 at seven, which is actually yeah. a great steal. I don't know about yeah. you, but I think it's pretty good. Right, and obviously you don't get to be in Firinelli's position without doing something right before you get the job and once you get the job. I give credit where it's due, but at the same time, he seems like part of the problem right now. What about hiring Matias Almeida? Does he get credit for that? He definitely gets credit for that because when you're looking at players of international recognition, Wondolowski is a well-known name in the United States. Like if you're an MLS fan, if you're a Philadelphia Union fan, you probably don't know most players, but you know Wondolowski because he's a U.S. international. Maybe you know Lima and Newell for that reason too. But if you're an MLS fan from like the U.K., you before Wondolowski, you've heard of Almeida. So 
Yeah, the craziest thing is that we have to give that business, we have to give them credit for that. I mean, yeah. even if Almeida has stunk completely and has really not done anything for us, he still has brought a lot of buzz and nationally televised games to us. So I would give on the Almeida signing a 10. You remember when they were having a um, – a scout for, for coaching go all over the world looking for a coach. And we were like, Oh, come on. Like, let's all be honest. You're just going to hire Ian Russell. Like you're why, what's the point of having a whole scouting gig and everything going on looking for a coach. And he, he outdid himself. I mean, he got a coach that was supposed to be the Mexican national team's coach. He picked us over the Mexican national team. Like yeah. you can't do better than that. That's like in the coaching world. That's like signing a, a Zlatan or a Marcus Rashford. It's, it's insane. That guy was on the up. I would give him a 10 for that. Yeah. Um, also, there's a lot of Liga Mekis fans as well as Chivas fans in Bay Area. So people who follow that club and league but maybe didn't care about MLS before, they're certainly at least keeping tabs on the San Jose Quicks now because of Almeida and because of subsequently players – they brought in such as Alanis and uh, Fierro from Chivas. Yeah, you know, I think Fisher's not going to fire Jesse this year or next year just because he did a good job bringing buzz, and buzz means money, to the earthquakes. And even yeah. if he had, was 4 out of 10 out of his transfers on all of them that we went through, he still brought in a whole bunch of people to watch the earthquakes, a whole lot of ticket sales to see Almeida and a whole lot of views to watch this man marking system completely fail. Yeah. So you want to get into a fan question? Yeah. So moving on to the next fan question, thank you for playing our game. Ivan, um, J, uh, JD McCall asks, have the players given up on Almeida after seeing him uh, start his favorite guys, no matter how poorly they play? I think they're certainly frustrated. Like, they're probably thinking the same thing as we're thinking. It's like, what's going on in Almeida's head right now? How can you get into his good favor? And it's tough to figure out in any profession how you impress a boss like that sometimes. But I think as long as Wondolowski is at this club, he won't allow his teammates to give up. I think he's going to preach, like, whichever 11 – is on the field any given time, we have to give it our all because even though it doesn't look like it right now, Sam's Earthquake soccer is about being gritty and never giving up. And hopefully they still find that fighting spirit. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Wando, please do not retire, especially right now because we're going to need you for many years to come. If Almeida leaves too, we're going to need you. Yeah, if nothing else, like he deserves to retire with his last game being with fans at the stadium, and that is not ready to happen just yet. All right, so the next fan question is going to be, Kevin Portillo wants to know, are there any rumors with players being linked to us? Ivan, have you heard anything? Have you seen anything? Do we need a milk carton for Jesse Farinelli? Because I don't hear anything on his side. It's like, I don't think you were even rumored to the Reno players that aren't on loan at earthquakes at this point. <laughs> this is really sad. Um, I can tell, I'll answer this question with the players I've signed in my 
rebuild San Jose Earthquakes FIFA 20 career mode uh, and just let you daydream about these signings for a bit. So I replaced Daniel Vega with Matt Turner, the goalkeeper from New England Revolution, a competent <laughs> goalkeeper. Imagine okay. That. And we got a new center back. We got Aaron Long from New York Red Bulls, linked with West Ham, but instead you came to San Jose Earthquakes. So, so you know what's funny is you're naming guys that are in the MLS, which the Quakes never do. We never purchase in league. And that's something Jesse Fiorinelli doesn't like doing. Yeah. And then the last two signings I made, I did exploit the release clauses a bit. I exploited the release clauses of Beltran and Antuna of Chivas. So we got another center midfield and we got another uh, winger option there for the Quakes. So right now the starting 11 looks like we got Turner and then we have uh, Tommy Thompson. uh, And this is still the version of the Quakes where Tommy Thompson hasn't had his right back role murdered by Pavon. So Thompson, <laughs> alternate Long, universe, Youngworth, because Youngworth is actually the highest rated center back starting at San Jose Earthquakes, despite him starting the least out of the three major ones. Uh, left back, uh, Nick Lima, just to accommodate uh, Tommy Thompson. He has both positions in the game. So in that case, that's fine. Then I have Judson and uh, Jackson Ewell in midfield. A Front four of Husin, Antuna, Vaco, and Espinoza with Wando the super sub. So there that you go. A lot more okay. Fun. <laughs> and I'll leave a link in the description to my rebuild so you can track the progress I made as I see how far I can take the Quakes, how long it'll take for them to win an MLS Cup. Okay. Shout out to all the FIFA fans out there. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> listen up. To answer Kevin Portillo's um, question, I guess, no. But I guess <laughs> any player that has ever played for Matias Almeida is on the market. <laughs> Anybody else want another Andy Rios? I know we do. Um, <laughs> or a Vega. Uh, we just yeah. want something. Some Can hope. we drop him off at San Diego or something? I'll ask <laughs> the uh, Fair Weather Pod on the Beautiful Game Network. Would you want Andy Rios playing under Landon Donovan? <laughs> That that's, would be interesting. You know, that's a good question. Would any USL team just take Andy Rios from us? Yeah. If the USL can provide us Daniel Vega, why can't we return the favor with <laughs> one of our Argentines? <laughs> so the next question, Avi Diaz asks, can this club get any more mediocre? So another way to phrase this is, is this loss to Seattle Sanders the lowest possible point? And it's scary to think that I can't, confidently say yes it doesn't get worse than this well you know what ivan i say yes we're gonna get three w's upcoming all right i'm calling it now i'm calling it now hot take w against la at the cali casco and two w's against portland at home we're gonna shoot right back up the table we're gonna get some guys in jesse fiorinelli saves a job matias stays until he gets a better offer uh, another club, but we're going to be in the driver's seat to make the playoffs after these three games. I can't wait to ask you about these predictions <laughs> in the next podcast review. Um, Kelsey Chides asks, what is Almeida's plan B in matches where his preferred tactical setup is clearly not working? Is there a plan B? 
Yeah, I'm going to say there is no plan B. So <laughs> if uh, Matias is, is not working, if it's not happening, we're losing that game. <laughs> and um, yeah. it's evident. There, could, there was an opportunity to use a plan B ever since they lost to Minnesota badly in the MLS's back tournament. It could have happened in any of these games, but you will live and die by this uh, tactical move of his. And yeah. Yeah, it's what we got to deal with, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's We're going to live and die by this. I mean, we're, we might be the laughing stock of the, of the league and the world, or you might be – we might be the best team in the MLS. It, it's literally the highest highs and the lowest lows. So Paul Tracy from Facebook asks, what are the front office plans to address the weaknesses of the current squad um, manifest? And what is the timeline to address these needs? And basically this, this mattered to Paul because of just, they don't know if they want to be a season ticket holder next year. And I'm going to say that they better address this this transfer window or in the winter or else they're going to lose a lot of season ticket holders for next year. Yeah, the time to act is now. Any club who's lost this much by, this much by these margins of goals is going to make moves the soonest opportunity they get. So the fact that we aren't linked to anybody right now is really upsetting and really strange. Yeah, I, 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 I'm out of loss of words. If they don't do it now, they're going to actually see some effect on the pocketbook. And then our last question is VE Juice from Discord. This was a, a very, you know, um, he actually asked this to all of the people on Discord, but I'm going to ask you, Ivan, um, do you reckon that this man marking system works in MLS anymore? I don't think so. I think maybe it is a, if this is MLS 3.0 with these 26 teams now, I think at best this could be MLS 2.0. <laughs> and maybe the Quakes were able to sneak up on some teams in 2019 and then again MLS is back, but it's not sustainable. I think if we get a proven talent and a proven leader and a proven defender and we spend the, 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 the cash at least, over $2 million on a transfer, one of these windows, it might juice up the team and we might be able to make some noise in the playoffs. Um, if we land the likes of a Vancouver Whitecaps or maybe even a RSL in the playoffs. Um, but I'm very confident we're going to win three matches in the next three games. Ivan heard it here first on Tectonic takes. Are Ivan's hiding his face right now. Over and over again to convince yourself. Yeah, you, you, I am. I'm convincing myself. <laughs> Right now, we got to be optimistic, guys. We're through and through. Quakes all day. Black and blue in our blood. Um, That's true. That's we, don't true. Know, we don't know how to lose this bad, but we won't be here again. And I promise that. That's the Matias Almeida promise. <laughs> That's the Fabi Rinkel and yeah. Ivan Ornales promise. Yeah. And hey, I'm still repping Sansa with Quakes. Even in San Diego, like, yeah, even when I attend the uh, LAFC watch parties, I only do it because the enemy of my enemy is my friend when it comes to the galaxy, yeah. And uh, it's very tempting, like, the LAFC, LAFC, despite not getting over the hump yet, uh, MLS Cup, they are building something great in such a short amount of time in the league, and I want the San Jose Earthquakes to do that, 
more than anything right now. Like there are so many tools at this club's disposal to be a great club, but they are not using it properly. And it goes down to every sort of position from the front office to the players, to the coaching staff. I believe in some of these people that they can get the best out of the rest of these people. Yes. That's my optimistic take to leave you with. I still have faith in some of these people. I'm going to say it just like Matias says it. Pero no sabemos qué vamos a hacer con los próximos partidos. Y, y vamos a ver, vamos a ver qué va a hacer Andy, Daniel. Pero esos son los, los capitanes de este equipo. <laughs> But oh, no, no. we're going to get some W's, all right? And we're going to take, yeah. we're going to go ahead and that is our Teutonic take, all right? Three W's. Um, again, What? guys, thank you for joining us today. Um, we still have a whole bunch to look forward to. This is an extremely long podcast today. Um, yeah. We felt like this was the one that we really needed to kind of at least talk a about a lot of things because this is a really big turning point in the season. Um, again, please don't forget to like and subscribe, share it to your friends. This is a podcast made for you. This is a podcast where you guys are able to voice your opinions and have a say in Quakes Media. Again, follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now YouTube. We're going to go ahead and put this on YouTube so it might be a little easier to share to all your friends because everybody's going to have YouTube. So mm -hmm. thank you for joining us. This was Favi from the Teutonic Takes presented by the Beautiful Game Network. And, and this is Ivan Ornelas. Thank you for listening to us. And we appreciate you sticking by this long podcast after another long week. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys, and go Quakes. Yeah.